Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. God wants to water Alaska. God wants to water Alaska. The people that are half dead are going to come back to life. Come on. That's why we need to build that building. Come on, finish that building so we can water as many people as possible. Tonight, I'm going to read an interesting scripture. A scripture you may not be familiar with because I'm going to talk about a familiar story. And I'm going to unpack something because I have to tell you my own story about my plant. I, uh, I don't have a private life because Meliana takes pictures and posts whatever we do all over the country. So her tomato plant, that, was ba- that was, has never stopped bearing tomatoes since we bought the house. It doesn't know what season it's in. And so I have, uh, because I wrote a commentary uh, uh, on Song of Solomon years, uh, four years ago or five years ago. And Song of Solomon's got some uh, strange language. One of the ones, your, your cheeks are like halves of pomegranates, you know. Now, I used to quote that, quote that to Meliana all the time, you know. And so I wanted to, I, I found out that pomegranates grow really good in Arizona. So we don't have, the reason they have bins is we don't have a, a yard. We don't have grass. We, we, just have, we just have rock, you know. It's just rock. And so my thought was I'm going to remove the rock and then I'm going to dig a hole and I'm going to plant my pomegranate tree. So I went down to the nursery, bought a little baby pomegranate about a foot tall and, and I removed the rock, not knowing that underneath the rock was more rock. And I must tell you, uh, tell you that it took me two days to dig a two-foot by two-foot hole. But here's the thing, what God told me to tell you tonight. Some of you aren't listening to what the enemy says that says Alaska's hard ground. Come on. Because sometimes I go to places, oh, Brother Harkey, the ground is hard. Can I tell you something? Keep digging. Keep digging. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep digging. I had, to so- I had to soak that particular ground. I soaked it and then finally dug it and got soil and, and planted my pomegranate tree. And my pomegranate tree is now taller than me. And, but the other day, I noticed that toward the bottom of the tree was a tiny pomegranate which is like uh, fruit, the fruit. I said, man, it's not supposed to bear fruit till the spring. And I was so excited about my pomegranate tree. And so I, I was in the house doing something and Meliana comes running in the house and, and, and says, John, your pomegranate's gone. I said, no, it's not. So I, I said, you missed it. it it's probably surrounded by the branches. You didn't see it. 
And sure enough, I ran outside, and sure enough, something stole my pomegranate. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you, how many are tired of the devil stealing your fruit? Stealing your breakthrough, stealing your miracle, come on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastics chapter four, verse one. And then we're gonna go to a very familiar passage of scripture. Ecclesiastics chapter four, verse one. I'm gonna read out of the new King James Version and here's what it says. Then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. This is Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and he writes this. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of the oppressors, there is power, but they have no comforter. I want to read this again because I want you to see this. I return and consider all the oppression that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed, they, they, but they have no comforter. But on the side of the oppressors, there is power, but they have no comforter. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. Our Lord Jesus looks at people much differently than how we look at people. And I want the eyes of the prophet I want prophetic eyes because God not only wants to save the oppressed, he wants to save the oppressors. He not only wants to redeem those on the street, he wants to redeem those in Wall Street. Come on. He wants those that have power to get born again. For instance, you can look at this for one, if I could give you the, probably a great example would be that uh, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus was, was oppressed. He was oppressed because he blind. He was a beggar. And what did God do? God healed him. And, and then what God did with uh, uh, Zacchaeus, who was the tax collector, who, who was oppressing the, the, the entire city of Jericho. What did God do? God saved Zacchaeus too. Because God is interested in taking people in, in their humanity and redeeming them. That's why Meliana and I decided to turn the hose on and water whoever we could by the word of God. Are you hearing me? Now with that, ladies and gentlemen, I was sitting there the other day, just a couple days, a few days ago. I was sitting at my house out in the patio, heaping an eye on my pomegranate tree watching it grow. I do that every morning with my coffee and I sit out there and the Lord spoke to me this word and he said to me, John, I want you to live by the well. Everybody say live by the well. Now, when, I, when I'm saying that, what am I what am implying? And I knew the Lord what he was implying is that story in John 4 where scripture tells me in John 4, 4, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Everybody say, had to go through Samaria. You know, there's things that you and I have to go through. There's things that you and I have to walk through that are uncomfortable culturally, racially, economically, come on, and spiritually. But Jesus is so committed to, to encountering a woman who has been oppressed, come on, 
because he's going to break the cultural mindset and normalcy of that culture because he's going to show us what it means to see somebody set free. There's an anointing in this house to set captives free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not just planning a church or or raising up a group of people just so that we could have services. We want to set captives free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And with that, we, we know this because here is Jesus, and I'll turn to the text. In this particular text, as he, he said, but he needed to go through Samaria. But in John 4, 6, New King James Version, there's a very interesting phrase that it says. It says, now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. You mean to tell me, preacher, that Jesus was wearied? I felt led led of the Lord to say this to this house. You're in this building project. You're doing, you're worshiping, you're serving, you're doing, and some of you in this room are wearied from the journey. And the interesting thing is, It's not, sometimes what the enemy does is the enemy bombards your mind to say, oh, you don't have fire. You must have lost your fire. You need to pray more, fast more, do more. Let me just tell you right now, Jesus was weary from the journey. And being weary is not a sin. It's being human. Come on. It's being human. I can tell you right now, uh, 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 traveling, I was not weary. When I planted the church and traveled, then I got weary. Come on. Trying to pastor and travel, that's another level of weariness. But let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus, if Jesus is showing us something in this text, he was weary from the journey. Because here he is giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out. But I want to tell you something Jesus is going to show us what the cure is to the weariness. He's going to give us the antidote to the weariness. He's weary from the journey and his journey thus sat by the well. Everybody say sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now notice, when the Lord was speaking to me about living by the well, he was, he was, John, I need you to go to a place. I know you're weary from the journey. But there is a place where you get refilled. There is a place where the weariness leaves you. There is a place, because it's one thing to be weary, it's another thing to stay weary. Oh, come on. It's not a sin to, to be weary, but when you stay weary, you no longer become fruitful. You no longer, you never walk in your anointing if you stay weary. Yes, Jesus was weary, but he did not stay weary. So that tells me what do I need to do, ladies and gentlemen, to, to solve the problem of weariness. And here, here's what he did. It's very, very interesting because I never saw this before. Because first of all, it's at the well that you and I learn to prophesy. It's at the well that you and I learn to evangelize. It's at the well that you and I learn to pastor. Now, we understand something because he was weary from the journey and he actually sends the disciples to this town to go and buy food. 
Now, I want to tell you something. I don't believe that Jesus just sent them away to buy food. Jesus can create food. Are you hearing me? I honestly believe, Vince, that, that the reason why Jesus sent the disciples away is because he knew that a woman was coming. He knew that a Samaritan was coming. And he knew the mindset of the disciples, that the disciples would actually be in his way and hinder the ministry going forth to that woman. And I want to tell you this. I don't want to be one of the disciples Jesus has to send away. Send away. I don't want to be one of those disciples that because of my racism or because of my mindset or because of my judgmental critical attitude that God has to send me to town so in order so someone else can have an encounter with God. Oh, hear me. He sends them away. And then when he sends them away, Meliana, the woman shows up and I don't have time to all go into that, but I'm just going to jump around for a moment because when the disciples came back, they saw the woman, she leaves, and they ask him a question. Do you, are you hungry? You want something to eat? And Jesus makes this statement. I have food you know not of. Everybody say, I have food you know not of. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something right now. I want what Jesus is eating. I don't want what the culture is eating. I don't, want, I don't want what people are eating in their head. I want to eat from Jesus' menu. I want to know what Jesus was eating so that, guess what? It can cure my weariness because they, they come back and he's not hungry. And guess what? He's not weary either. He's not burnt out either. He's not saying, I need to rest. I need to go on a sabbatical. I'm burnt out. He does not say that. You know what he does? Is I have food you know not of. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that food tonight. I want that food. I came to church because I want to eat. I came to church because I want to eat that food that... That there is a food that most people don't know that aware, they're aware of. Not, they don't know it. They don't know where it is. They don't know how to access to it. And then, and then they think, well, who brought him food? I have food you know not of. Well, who brought him a meal? Did they go to In-N-Out? Come on. I feel so bad. Pastor Gill's wife, Pastor Rosie, she came to Tucson. When I go up over to Eagle River, they cook me steak. They make fish. They make all a beautiful meal. And I take Pastor Rosie to In-N-Out Burger. Come on. <laughs> I'm a bad host. Come on. <laughs> I need to go through Discover Track to learn how to cook. Come on. <laughs> And anyway, I have food you know not of. Well, who fed you? Who brought food? And he said, my food. Everybody say, my food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to suggest to you tonight
that what cured Jesus' weariness was not taking a vacation. I want to suggest to you tonight that, 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 that taking a break from ministry is not what refueled Jesus. I want to I, I suggest to you that slowing down was not refueled Jesus. Come on. Taking a break, maybe stepping off the platform and telling Pastor Kirsten, you know, Kirsten, I just need to take a break for a season. Because here's the lie of the enemy. If I, if I step away from the well, I am going to get refreshed. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Can I tell you something right now? You know what got, you know what got Jesus rejuvenated? You know what got Jesus all excited? Because here was a woman so broken so destitute, so outside the will of God that all of a sudden she comes to that well, half dead, come on, come on, married five times. I don't know any woman has been married five times because if you've been married five times, you should have quit after the second one. Are you hearing me? Obviously you've been married five times, you got some issues. And Pastor Gill, I read, I read a commentary, and I read this commentary that, that, that all five of the husbands died. Give me a break. You think the third husband said, I'm not married. The last two, the last two all died. I'm not dying. Where do you guys get this stuff? But here's the thing, what revived him, what revived him is when he started operating in his gift he either operating who he wanted. He started using what God had given him. And what it did is it refueled him physically. It refused him spiritually. It refueled him emotionally. And here's what the devil says. And, he, and, they, and they even say it. In oh, pastor, you need to take a break. Can you imagine telling Pastor Daniel to take a break? <laughs> He has one gear, <laughs> one gear. I've known him for 30 years. He's got one gear. Can you imagine telling Pastor Morocco to take a break? But here's the thing, because it's at the well that all of a sudden I got to operate in the word of knowledge. It's at the well that I got to evangelize. It's at the well that I got to pastor someone so broken. It's at the well. But I want to say this as well. But the reason I want to live by the well, ladies and gentlemen, is not just so I can minister. And I'm not ashamed to say this. But sometimes I need to go to the well because I'm the one that needs an encounter. I'm the one that needs, needs Jesus to pour into me. I'm the one that is weary from the journey. I'm the one carrying the water pot. I'm the one that's gone through through relationship after relationship and crisis after crisis and problem after problem. Come on. And sometimes I need to live there because at the well, I begin to encounter the life of God. Because I can tell you right now, it is very, very difficult to maintain and have longevity and sustainability without a continuous encounter with Jesus. I'm telling you right now.
I've seen this happen. They, they, they don't press in for more. They don't go to the place. They, I got my touch. I got my tongues. I went through my discover class and I'm done. Let me just tell you, I came to every single altar. I ran to every altar. You know why? I want everything that God has for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I love the fact that Jesus does something in his ministry. What he does is he, he systematically makes her thirsty. Church, our job is to make people thirsty for living water. Not thirsty for church. Not thirsty for the name. Not thirsty for our ministry, but thirsty for that living water. Because if you get somebody thirsty, they'll drive in the snow. <laughs> you get somebody thirsty, you don't have to ask them how far to go. You get somebody thirsty, they'll go wherever. They'll go to Fairbanks to get a touch from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You get somebody thirsty, because here's what's going to happen. There's going to be such a thirst. There's going to be such a thirst that happens here in Alaska. Where thirsty people are going to come to drink from this well. Because God is going to turn this church into a well of living water. Can I hear an amen right now? And there's so much into this, but I don't have time. to Because i got to bring my wife up because we've got to do something. I want you to turn with me to John 4. Look at verse four for a minute, and let me get there. Turn all the way over, if you would please, to verse 28. Look at verse 28 of John four, I want you to see this. The woman then left her water pot. Everybody say left her water pot. It's very interesting to me that she came, she came to draw water and then left the container with Jesus. Come on. What happened? Her thirst got quenched. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She realized that that's not the water I need. That's the water of bondage. He's the water of life. And I, and I tell you, when she left the water pot, because you got to understand, she left her past. She left her pain. She left her trauma. Right. Hear me. Because I know people that haven't left their past. They haven't left their pain and they haven't left their trauma. And they try to carry it into the next season. Come on. And that's why they grow weary. But when you leave it, that means you don't come back and pick it up. The woman then left her water pot, went went her way into the city and said to the man, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, here's what I want to suggest to you. How does a woman who's hated by the community all of a sudden have an audience? All of a sudden has a platform with the entire, comp uh, entire community that they're not going to listen to this woman. I want to tell you right now why I believe she had an audience with, with that, those men and that community. I'll tell you. Because when she encountered God, she was another person. 
I want to I tell you that she left that afternoon to get water, but when she came back without her water pot, there was glory on her face. She was carrying the presence of God all over her, and all she had to do was open her mouth. Come and see. I can't wait till you open your new building and you start preaching. Come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. Come on. Come and see what God has done. Come and see. She now has an audience with the entire community. And listen to this. Then they went out of the city and came to him. And, we, and then, of course, Jesus goes into that thing about the harvest. And I won't get into that, but listen to verse 39. I want, want you to see this. And many Samaritans of that city believed in him. Listen to this. Interesting scripture. Because of the word of the woman who testified. That's why you better open your mouth wide and share your testimony. That your testimony is not for you to hold on to. You don't need, you don't need to be embarrassed about where you were and where God's brought you. Are you hearing me? I'm going to tell you something. I have a testimony. I was in jail for a year and a half in Fort Leavenworth Penitentiary. I was arrested in the military for possession of hashish, a lot of hashish. And they wanted to make an example. I was 19 years old. But guess what happened? I met a woman in Maui. Come on. I met a Polynesian woman. And after one month, we got married. Come on. Don't do that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and if you're not married, don't do that. Come on. And, and, and man, she on our honeymoon, on our honeymoon, I tell her everything I ever did. Come on. <laughs> and I just came out of jail. And, and she did not know that. <laughs> After I married her, I told her all my faults. Come on. <laughs> And she turned to me, I remember exactly, I, I was in between Kona and Hilo on the Big Island. And she turned to me and said, you need to get saved. I didn't know what saved was. I, I was just in love, come on. I'm still in love, come on. After 38 years. And you know what happened? We, we, we got off the plane, the next Sunday we went to church. They were at the skating ring across the street from the mall. And I sat there and I said, man, these people, these are loud. <laughs> I'd never been in church my life. Come on. And so the next, the following week, Pastor Morocco went to Lahaina and did a Bible study. And there was just a handful of people. And he asked if anybody wanted to get born again. And I raised my hand and ran up there right where he was standing. I said, I want to get saved. He laid my, his hands on me. It changed my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I became a new man. Are you hearing me? I encountered God. And I've had encounter after encounter after encounter. Because it says that many Samaritans believed because of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him 
to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Now listen to verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. Everybody say his own word. You gotta see this, because what happened? We don't see a physical miracle in this story. What we see is Jesus as the prophet, prophesying over the Samaritans as they came. God has put a prophetic spirit on Alaska. Are you hearing God has put a prophetic spirit in this house? You know why? Because when people come, are you hearing me? I praise God for the latte, but the latte is not going to set me free. But when I get a prophetic word from the throne room of God, are you hearing what I'm saying? When someone has enough guts, uh, uh, enough courage to speak the truth over my life. I'm so thankful I told that young man he can't be a greeter. Not because I did. I mean, I needed greeters. Come on. But I needed them to get right with God more than I needed a greeter. Come on. And because of that, their whole family is born again. The whole family, the kids got saved. The whole family, household got saved by telling the truth. And I can tell you this. He was prophesying to those, those men and women that were coming from the village. This is what they said. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not because, verse 42, not because of what you said, Hear this, hear hear the language. For we ourselves have heard him. Everybody say, we ourselves have heard him. Church, you know what our job is? My job as a minister is for you you to hear God for yourself. Because if you don't hear God for yourself, then somebody else has to guide you. That's what we call a cult. Oh, come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? Because our our job as ministers is for you to hear the Lord yourself, just like those that we've heard him ourselves. We thank God used your testimony. God used you to attract us to this man called Christ Jesus, but now we've heard him ourselves. When you've heard God for yourself, nobody can talk you out of what God told you. When you've heard God yourself, it doesn't matter what the county does, what the state does, what COVID does, what the government does. You've heard God yourself. Look out. I've heard the voice of God. And I know the voice of God, the voice of the God can strike the cedars bare. The voice of God can move mountains. The voice of the God can part the Red Sea. The voice of God can heal a woman in a bad relationship. The voice of God. How many want to hear the voice of God yourself? We've heard him ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. In other words, when she, I always used to think, as I wrap this up, I always used to think, ladies and gentlemen, that when Jesus, because you know, remember when Jesus started talking to her about this living water, and he, and he told her, you know what, 
you, if you knew who you, I was, you'd ask for living water. She said, I want it. I want this living water. And he goes, okay, go call your husband. Everybody say, go call your husband. You got to see this. Why would Jesus ask the woman a question when he already knew the answer? Because the encounter would stop if she lied. Because you can't continue in an encounter with God without being vulnerable and truthful. And so that was a test. And she came out and said, I have no husband. And then, of course, you're living with a guy and you've had five husbands. And I honestly thought that that word of knowledge is what, what triggered her deliverance. And that's not true. Because as soon as she, as soon as he, he told her about her living conditions, he said, you must be a prophet. She said, you must be a prophet. So I noticed this because when I'm on the plane, I'm going to go on the plane tonight. If someone comes up to me, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a minister. They start talking religion. Are you hearing me? In other words, to deflect from their issues. She became a theologian. Are you hearing me? Because I realized well, when I introduce myself to somebody, when I'm engaged in conversation, and they ask me what I do, they become theologians. They become experts on God. And she says, oh, you must be a prophet. And then she goes into the fact, oh, you Jews say to worship in Jerusalem. We Samaritans worship on this mountain. But then when the Messiah comes, everybody say when the Messiah comes, which means that she had an understanding the Messiah would come. But here's what set her free. It wasn't the fact that he told her she had had, had five husbands. But when she said, when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. Then Jesus looked her in the eye and said, the one, the Messiah that you're looking for, you're speaking to him right now. When Jesus revealed his Messiahship to her, that's when she was set free. Because she's thinking in her mind, you mean the God of heaven came to my well. The God of heaven came to Alaska. The God of heaven came to my church, my family, my wife, my kids, my grandkids. The God of heaven loved me enough in the middle of being weary, came to my well so that I could be touched by him. I want to give him everything. Give God a shout of praise right now. <laughs> Lift your hands to Jesus all over the house. Lift your hands to Jesus all over the house. Father, we love you. Father, we adore you. We thank you right now for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light upon our very path right now. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.